Good morning, everyone. I hope you're doing well this morning. I'm glad that you're here in the house today. Thank you guys for joining us here. Thank you so much for those of you who are joining us online, and I doubt we have anybody out on the backstage patio today. If you are, we're praying for you. Anyway, uh, and uh, welcome to winter uh, in the fall here on Hilton Head Island. Weirdest thing, I think it was warmer yesterday in Minneapolis than it was here in Hilton Head. So if you drove here from Ohio, I hope you have a good time in the sunny south. <laughs> today, we are starting a, uh, a brand new series called Hope Has a Name. Hope Has a Name. And I don't think that uh, given that we are in 2021, that we're towards the end of 2021, and we've been dealing with all that we've been dealing with over the past year and a half, going on two years, that I need to remind you why the world is hopeless. Do we know why the world is hopeless? Do we understand that the world is hopeless? Over the course of the next three weeks, we're going to open up God's Word and take a look at what God has to say about this thing called hope. And as we just sang about, as we just gave praise about, there is so much reason. Listen, I want you to hear me, Christ follower today. There is so much reason why we should have hope. But the truth of the matter is, is that most of us who are even Christ followers lose hope sometimes. Don't we? Don't we, church? We lose hope sometimes. I'm so glad Cynthia said what she did because it's true that there are times when we who have the answer, who have, uh, we, we understand who the answer is, we understand where to find the answer, we sometimes lose hope as well. And so over the course of these few weeks, we're going to be talking about what it means to have hope in that moment of tragedy of that situation that comes up where we're totally surprised and taken off guard when we lose hope. We're going to be talking about hope for the journey of life now. Next week, and we're going to be talking about hope for eternity coming up in two weeks. And I'm excited about this. And you're going to see a little bit of an arc into our, our series at Christmas, which I'm very excited about. But today, we're going to dive into God's Word. And today, I want you to be thinking today about a moment in time, about a moment in time when you were most hopeless. When you received that call with the information that someone in your life who you dearly love has a diagnosis that is tragic. I want you to think about that day that you walked into the office fully expecting to have a full day's work and they gave you a box to put your stuff in. I want you to think about for a moment those moments in time when you got word that that relationship had fallen apart, that time when you found out that the decision of someone in your family is going to and has caused chaos for you. I want you to think about that moment in time when you had that wreck, the unexpected funeral that you had to attend in a moment's notice, the bill that came in the mail that just put you over the edge. And I want you to think about those moments for just a second this morning. And I know it's hard to think about those things in the midst of everything that we're going through. And you're supposed to come to church on Sunday morning. And I'm supposed to start right out of the gates and encourage you. And I've got you thinking about the worst time in your life. Happy Sunday. <laughs> but I want you to think about those moments. Because those are the moments in which God can do his greatest work in your life. G.K. Chesterton said, hope means hoping 
when things are hopeless or it is of no virtue at all. Hope means hoping when things are hopeless or it is of no virtue at all. As long as matters are really hopeful, hope is mere flattery and platitude. It's only when everything is hopeless that hope begins to be a strength. And church, I'm here to tell you today, Christ follower, I'm here to tell you today, those of you who may have found yourself to this place or online or wherever or whenever you're hearing this or watching this, I'm here to tell you today that we have the greatest hope for our problems. We have the greatest hope for our moments of despair, our personal tragedy, our trouble, and our own tribulation. And today, I want to open up God's Word and take a look at that. Now, we're going to be taking a look at two different passages. One, we're going to be taking a look at several different passages, but two primary passages today. They're both from the Old Testament, and they're both prophets. The first one is Isaiah 42. We're going to be taking a look at Isaiah 42, and then we're going to be in Ezekiel chapter 37. And you're going to see in these two passages that there are some similarities between these two passages. There are some things that are connected in these two passages. And I think you'll see those. And my prayer today and my hope for you today is that as you think of that personal tragedy that you've been through or maybe are going through, that you would find hope from these words today. And that God could change your situation. And even if he doesn't change your situation, you would have hope through the midst of it. I want to pray for you this morning before we dive into God's word. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be in this place right now. God, I admit to you that there are times when situations cause me to feel hopeless. And even standing here right now, there are times when I feel like, man, I don't know if I should be preaching this message. But God, this is the story of redemption. This is the story of strength. This is the story of restoration. This is the story of you bringing us from that place where we are so discouraged to a place where we see that you are in control. May your Holy Spirit lead us and guide us this morning. And Father, I pray that in the midst of whatever crisis we may be going through in the moment or one that we've gone through in the past and it continues to haunt us, Father, in the strong name of Jesus, as we'll talk about at the end of this message, I pray that you would bring us out from the ashes and that you would restore to us the joy of your salvation. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. Amen. We're going to be talking about Isaiah and, of course, Ezekiel today. And Isaiah was one of those prophets who had to come bring bad news. Ezekiel was, too, to the nation of Israel. I don't know about you. Um, I would rather receive bad news than be the deliverer of bad news. You know what I'm talking about? Um, I, you know, I, I do not like conflict at all. But I'd rather you bring me the conflict than me to have to bring it to you. That's just the way that I'm created. Do I have anybody else that's like that here in this room? Am I the only one? We should start a group. All right. Oh, there's a few over here. Okay, great. We, we've got a whole group. All right. So uh, Isaiah has to bring from God the, the news that the nation of Israel, his people, have turned their back on him, that they've been unfaithful 
that they've been disobedient. And he has to bring them the, the news, the difficult news of the awareness of this, and then what the results are. It's the same thing with Ezekiel, although Ezekiel, the way that God processes that is much different than Isaiah. And so the nation of Israel had become unfaithful to the Lord, and the whole first 39 chapters, as I've talked about before, of Isaiah are, is Isaiah bringing them the news that they've been unfaithful, and here are the results of their unfaithfulness. And then in chapter 40, things begin to take a turn. And I love what Isaiah does. Inspired by God's Holy Spirit, he writes the message of hope. He delivers the message of hope to the nation of Israel. But it's not just hope then. It's not just hope for tomorrow. He's delivering the message of hope for all of us for eternity. And we'll talk about that in three weeks. But I want you to see from a couple different passages here in Isaiah 42 and uh, chapter 43, the message of hope that he's bringing Israel. And I believe that we can find something in these passages that are for us in our despair, in our hopeless situation. Isaiah 42, I'm going to skip down to verse 6. I listed it there as 1 through 9, but I'm going to skip down to verse 6. Isaiah 42, 6. He reminds them of this. I am the Lord in verse 6. He says, I am the Lord. I have called you, he says in verse 6, in righteousness. I have called you in righteousness. He says, I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. Okay, I want to pause for a moment here in verse 6, and we can leave it up on the screen because what Isaiah is communicating here is filled with great doctrine and theology about who we believe that God is. He is reminding the nation of Israel and reminding us that he is God. And I don't know about you, but when I'm in the midst of a situation or a moment in time or news or a call that I receive in which I find myself hopeless or I find that situation hopeless, the first thing that I do sometimes is forget that He is God. And He's reminding the whole nation of Israel here, I am am the Lord God. And he says, I have called you in righteousness. And he says, I will take you by the hand. I will take you by the hand and I will keep you. Maybe some of you right now are in the place that your, your hopeless situation has happened recently. Or maybe you've had that news or that situation or that circumstance that arose and you need to hear that God is with you. And that his desire is to take you by the hand and to lead you to a place of safety and of purpose. Because he says this, I will give you, this is the purpose part, I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. Listen, today some of you may need to hear that you were created for a purpose. You were created for a purpose. You were created by the God of all creation for a purpose. 
And he is waiting there with his hand down towards you. And all he wants you to do is reach up and grab his hand because he wants to lead you to that place of purpose. And so we are to remember that he is the Lord God. And he is greater than any circumstance or any situation or any moment in time that you may be facing. I remember being in a crowded place. I believe it was a mall at Christmas time. And I remember I was probably like three or four years old. It's one of my earliest memories. And I remember um, that my dad had let go of my hand for just a second. And I probably looked to see where Santa Claus was or the toy store or whatever it was. is way back before Toys R Us and way before Amazon. And anyway, so I was probably distracted by something. And I lost track of my dad. And I reached up and grabbed a hand. And it wasn't his. It was some stranger. This is how bad stories start, right? But I want you to know, Christ follower, the hand that's reaching down to you is the hand of the one who created you for a purpose. And his desire is to keep you and to remind you of that purpose. Verse 7, he goes on and he says, not only will I take you by the hand and keep you and give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, but he says this, to open the eyes that are blind, more of the purpose, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prisons, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. And then he says it again in verse 8. You can say it with me. Say those words with me. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. This is my name. This is my name, he says. Remember that God's name is I am He says, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. I want to come back to that verse in a moment. And then he says this, verse 9, and perhaps this and one other verse that we're going to hit in just a moment in Isaiah 43, perhaps this needs to be your rally cry right now. Maybe this needs to be the thing that you hang on to in the moment of your despair. He says, behold, the former things, they have come to pass. And new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you. Now, what is he talking about there in the context of all of humanity? He's talking about the first and the second coming of the Messiah. He's talking about the coming of Jesus that we will celebrate next month. Yep, next month, not in two months anymore, not six months away. Next month, we'll celebrate Jesus' first coming, but one day in the future, we'll celebrate his return. More on that in week three of this series. He says, behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare before they spring forth. I tell you of them. I think that part of, the, part of the problem that we have in terms of those moments of tragedy or that moment or that situation that arises that causes us to be hopeless is that we forget that God is God because so often we turn to something or someone else to satisfy the hope, to fill that hope, to take away the hopelessness and to fill our lives and our spirit with hope. And every time, church, every time that we do that, we are missing out on the one, the only one who can truly give us lasting and sure hope, and that is Jesus. That's him. 
That's him. Jesus actually repeats Isaiah 42, a verse, a verse 6 and 7, when he is talking to his disciples in Matthew 12, 21, and this is from the NIV. He says, in his name, the nations will put their hope. In his name, the nations will put their hope. And I want you to notice how often we're going to talk about the name of the Lord God in this. You're going to see that theme all throughout this whole series, that there is power in the name of the Lord. Isaiah 43, Isaiah 43, a very similar passage, but one that brings it home. And I feel sorry sometimes for my guys that are in my prayer group on Wednesday morning because they often get the sermon before the sermon. You know, I kind of run it by them, so uh, that's uh, a lot of fun. Sorry, guys, you've already heard this. But Isaiah 43, Isaiah 43, I didn't give him the whole thing, by the way, just a little bit. Uh, Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, he says this to the nation of Israel. Now, I want to remind you that these are God's people and that one of the most important traditions of Jewish culture is to remember what God has done, Right? one of the most important things. I mean, every time they get together they, and, and ate a meal, they would be reminded of what God had done. Every time they gathered together, they'd talk about what God had done in the past. They'd talk about their what? Fiddler on the roof. Tradition, right? They would talk. I'm not going to sing it. They talked about their tradition and what God had done. And those are still values that they need to have and that they kept. But he says here in Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, remember not the former things. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. He says, behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not Perceive it. I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And in studying this, I've read this verse, I don't know, dozens and dozens and dozens of times, maybe, maybe even hundreds of times. And i got to be honest with you, in studying this and getting ready for today and ready for what God is going to do in the life of this church through this short three-week series, I was overwhelmed with that one statement. Listen, church, don't miss this. God is asking us. He is asking you. I am doing a new thing. Don't you Perceive it. Don't you know it? Don't you know that there's something new? And again, he's talking about the whole thing, but he's also talking about your thing. And he's talking about our thing. And so often we miss that because we are consumed with our misery. And we're consumed with our guilt. And we're consumed with our failures. Or we're consumed with our past successes. I hear so many people talking about uh, their high school football career. And they're in their 80s. 70s and 80s, man. Wow. I'm right there sometimes. I got to admit, it wasn't football. It was golf. But man, I get it. We're consumed with the past, aren't we? We're consumed with both our success and our failure of the past. And I believe that God is saying to you and to saying to our church, remember not the former things. I am doing a new thing. And then he asked that question that I was overcome with. Don't you 
perceive it? Don't you perceive it? Don't you sense it? Don't you, don't you feel that God is doing something new? And unfortunately, I think sometimes, all too often, we're not in tune with him. And so we answer no. We answer no. You know, I find hope in the fact that God is going to do something new, that he is doing something new in our lives and in the life of our church. See, here's, here's the thing. Israel was hopeless because they were stuck in the past. Israel was hopeless because they were stuck in the past. And Isaiah has to do the work of God reminding them of all the things that caused them unfaithfulness to him. And by the way, at the same time, he's telling them what the recipe for their best in life is. At the same time, for his glory and our good. That's what he wants. And he's reminding them of these things, but he essentially says, it's time to let the past be the past. I I love the fact that God reminds us that his mercies are new every day. Aren't you thankful for that? His mercies are new every day. Every day. Those of you who grew up in a in an environment and in a home where you were reminded so often about the things you did that were disappointments or that were displeasing to, to your parents or to your grandparents or to whoever you know, was in your home. His mercies are new every day. The past is the past. The past is the past. And that Israel had to be reminded that they were stuck in the past. And my question to you is are you stuck in the past? Are you captivated by guilt? Are you captivated by shame? Are you obsessed with a better day that's yesterday? It's in the rearview mirror, it's gone. Are you consumed and concerned with having what you once had that you no longer had because life kind of went a different direction than you thought? The past is the past. Today is today. Israel went on to restore with God, and then they found themselves unfaithful again. They found themselves in idolatry again. They found themselves rebelling against what God had told them to do. They, they found themselves violating the covenants that God had set up with them. And God allowed the nation of Israel to be led into Babylon. But there's something interesting as we read this passage from Ezekiel. Ezekiel's used by God to deliver some really bad news to the nation of Israel. But God shares many of the things that he wants him to share with the nation of Israel in these very vivid visions and, and kind of dreams that God had given him. And, and one of the things that I want you to hear is, is that even though the nation of Israel was in captivity by Babylon, God didn't abandon them. I want you to hear that one more time. We, we come to this passage where we find the nation of Israel in captivity in Babylon. Their enemies have captured them. They're about ready to be dispersed and displaced all over the place. Jerusalem is a mess. And all of this has happened because of their disobedience and their idolatry. But God does something really interesting. He's with them. He never leaves them. His presence 
is with them even in the place and even in the situation in which they find themselves captive. And so even before we read this second passage, I want you to hear that even in your moment of despair, whether you may be far from God, maybe you've kind of dried up spiritually, maybe you're living a life that you know is way beyond the bounds of what He desires, He is with you. He's with you. He's with you. He has not abandoned you. And so we find Israel in exile. He's not abandoned them. But they find themselves in this situation. And God gives Ezekiel a dream. And the whole dream, it's a little bit of a picture like from a Halloween uh, you know, front yard. Uh, he, he, in this vision God gives him, he enters this, this valley of the dry bones, and there's all these skeletons everywhere. This uh, should have been the message last week, right? So anyway, so he enters this valley, and God begins to awaken these skeletons. It's crazy, right? This is God doing amazing work. And, and so all, you know, this, these whole bodies come together from death to, to life, but Ezekiel realizes that there's no life in these bodies in this vision that he has. And all of a sudden, God gives them life. And then God tells him what to say. Ezekiel 37, 11 through 14. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are all are dried up and our hope is lost. And our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore, Ezekiel, prophesy and say to them, talk to these bones and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am, there it is one more time, I am the Lord. I open your graves and I raise you from the graves, oh my people, and I will put my spirit. Listen, church, I want you to hear this. I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that once again, say it with me, I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it declares the Lord. And in this vision that God gives this man, Ezekiel, I'm sure he's freaking out at this point in time. He's probably like, enough visions, God? Just tell me what to say to them. That's the way I would be if I saw a bunch of bones in a valley that just all of a sudden came to life. But he's telling Ezekiel to tell Israel that his spirit will bring them to life. And church, perhaps, Christ follower, perhaps the reason that you are in the hopeless situation is because spiritually you find yourself dead. Nothing moves you anymore. When you read something or hear something, it just kind of falls on deaf ears. Maybe in the midst of that situation, you turned everything but God because you've forgotten that He is the Lord. And I've been there, I've been there, I've been there. Maybe, maybe, some of you, even though you didn't create that hopeless moment, perhaps you didn't respond to it in the way that brings life and brings hope because spiritually you have just fallen into this place. You might call the valley. 
of bones, the valley of dry bones. Maybe your spiritual life has absolutely been sucked out of you because of life. I'm going to be real for a second. The past two years, I'm tired of this. (laughs) I am. I'm tired of this. Are you tired of it? I'm sick and tired of it. Done. Like, I, I just, it is driving me crazy, right? I can't believe that we've gone two years. And I have these moments in time when I look around and I see all that's going on in the world and I'm so gravely disappointed with the world. And I have to admit to you when I get in those moments and my poor family has seen that way too many times over the last two years, I have to admit that in those moments, I have forgotten that God is God. And he is greater than any of this junk that we as humanity have gone through. And it's greater than the personal loss that you have gone through and the grieving for people that you've lost, that you've gone through. Man, this summer was devastating for for me and Cynthia with people not in this community that we lost, but friends from back in Atlanta that we lost to COVID. And I just cry out to God and go, I'm done with this, man. Can't you take this away? Hmm. He is God. He is God. He is God over your situation. He is God over this situation. And part of the problem is, is this is Israel's problem, is, is they were hopeless because they tried to find hope in everything else but God, church, Christ follower. Let us be committed to running to him first. Let us be committed to realizing that he is God and not forget that he is in charge of that most desperate situation that you're going through, of that drama that somebody has caused in your life of that despair that comes from you feeling unsuccessful. Whatever it may be, he is God. Listen, your present position is not an indicator of your future promise. God holds you and your future in his hand. It doesn't matter what comes your way. He is with you. He is for you. Israel... They were hopeless because they had looked to everything else but God for hope. They were hopeless because they forgot that he was God. They were hopeless because they were stuck in the past. And you may find yourself in that situation too, but I want to encourage you today. 1 Peter 5 verse 10 says this. After you all have suffered a little while. Has it been long enough to count this a little while? Let's put ourselves in this situation, right? After you all have suffered a little while, the God of grace, who has called you to his eternal glory, more on that in week three, in Christ himself, will restore, will confirm, will strengthen, and he will establish you. And I don't know about you, I'm in need of some restoration and I'm in need of some confirmation, and I'm in need of some strengthening. That's kind of obvious. And I am in need of some establishing who I am once again in him. Allow him to do work of doing those things in your life and in my life.
church, there's an old phrase that um, we use around our house a lot and that you probably use as well. It's called draw the line in the sand. And if you look up the history of it, there's a thousand different <laughs> legends, urban legends of how that word was established. Um, the, the most important one being when Jesus drew a line in the sand. We don't know what he wrote, <laughs> but he wrote something in the sand that day has a lot of military uh, kind of uh, stories in its past and that sort of thing. But essentially what it means is, is that we draw a line and we say, I'm not going to return past this line. And for some of you today, it's time. It's time for you to forget the past and draw a line in the sand and say, I'm never returning to that point again. For some of you, it's time to say, I am going to trust God first in my hopeless situation, and I am never going back to that place where I trust in some other thing or person or way or conventional wisdom or addiction or whatever it may be in your life. I'm not going to return again. And for some of you, it is time, like myself, to remember that he is God and I am not and that we are not and to draw a line in the sand and to trust him with whatever you're going through that helps that makes you feel hopeless. The whole point about drawing a line in the sand is never going back over the line. Hope has a name. And his name is Jesus. And there's power in the name of Jesus. Power for you to overcome whatever you're facing right now. Power for me to overcome what I'm facing right now. Power for us as a church to overcome what we are facing. And I'm going to leave you with this. In John 14, 12 through 14, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the work that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. And then he says this, Whatever you ask in my name, Whatever you ask in my name, this, say that next two words with me, I will do. This I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son if you ask anything, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you have been beating yourself up and pressed against the wall and trying and trying and trying to solve your hopeless situation by any other means. And if it's not working, I want you to give Jesus a try. Because in his name, there is power. In his name, there is change. In his name, we can be restored and confirmed and strengthened and established I'm going to ask Cynthia to come on up here for a moment. And we've got some Stevens ministers that are going to be available for you. They're going to be down front here while I pray and after the service on my right and my left. And they're going to come down front here in a moment. And, and I want to encourage you that as I pray and after I pray, maybe you want to talk to someone. Because I've been through those moments when I've lost hope. Cynthia and I have both been through those moments where we lost hope. We had two parents pass away within two years of each other a few years ago. That was tough. That was tough. Grieving is a gift from God, but it's difficult, isn't it? 
What's your suffering today? Where's your point of hopelessness? Maybe today you need to ask God for those dry bones to come alive in your life, and I want to pray for you this morning. Father God, I thank you so much that we can turn to you. I thank you that you are God and we're not. And I want to admit this morning that it is very, very, very difficult to understand why things happen the way they do. It is so hard for us to understand why the world is in so much chaos. Why COVID? Why division? Why are homes being split into two? It's hard for us to understand why all the violence, why all the protests, why all of these things are happening. And Father, it is even maybe sometimes more difficult for us to understand when those things happen to us personally, when we find ourselves grieving, when we find ourselves at that point of loss, when we find ourselves hopeless. And Father, I pray in the strong name of Jesus that you would help us to forget the past, to allow the past to be the past. God, I pray that we would progress from our past, that we would move on from that that moment that we would refuse to return to that place in our past. Help us to realize and understand and believe that you hold our future. And Father, I pray right now for those who are in the sound of my voice, those who are here in the house, who are here in the house, God, and they may be dealing with a hopeless situation right now. I pray that you would give them the courage to stand up right now and come receive prayer, receive help from Stephen's minister or one of our pastors. Father, I pray that you would give them the courage to reach out to a friend. But, and God, I pray that you would encourage them to seek the help in their lives that they need. But Father, for all of us in the strong name of Jesus, would we turn to you first? God, I pray that we would turn to you first that we would go to you, that we would remember you. And Father, I pray that supernaturally, in the strong name of Jesus, that you would allow the things that have happened in our past to be just that. Father, I pray that you would deal with that person who's dealing right now with guilt and shame. Father, I pray that you would help that one who has had a loss of a relationship, maybe even a marriage. God, I pray for the one who has a wayward child right now and they're grieving that deeply. God, I pray that they would reach out to someone, that they would reach out to you. And Father, I pray for those who have had financial loss or business loss. Or God, those who are just in despair or discouragement about the world around them. Father, breathe life into us. God, we look to you. We thank you. We thank you, we thank you that you are God and we are not. And I pray this all in the strong and the powerful name of Jesus, the name above all names. Amen.